Good morning and happy Monday. I hope that you have been able to wake up this morning with a reasonable amount of peace. I hope that you have woke up this morning knowing that there is nothing that you will face today that Jesus himself will not be willing to sit, to stand right there with you, next to you, hold your hand and guide you. Let me tell you as a living witness, having lived through some things, some embarrassing moments, some trying moments, some unsettling, heartbroken moments that he himself is the one. He was the one. He will be the one to help you to hold it together until you can run to your secret place, your dwelling place where it's nobody but you and him and you can pour out to him. He is just that kind of God. In my mind, he's that only God that can do that. This morning, I want to be the one to encourage you. If God doesn't do it for me today, I want him to do it for you. If he does not do it for my family today, I want him to do it for your family. I need for God to show up today and I need for him to do effectively, abundantly, above and beyond that which you or I that we've ever asked, that we've ever thought of. Anything that is in our imagination, I need for God to do above that and beyond. I need him to be greater. I need him to show his hand of favor, grace, mercy, peace, love, forgiveness, temperance towards us. We are a sick and dying world. And we are dying. It used to be, you could say that the world is just dying because of the hands of the enemy, the unsaved, the, the ones that are not living for Christ. But in this day and time, I never thought that I would ever say that the world is dying because of who? Some Christians. The world is dying because of who? Those who go to church every Sunday. The world is dying because of who? Those are behind the pulpit. And I never thought that I would be in a time living in a world where so many things are acceptable. Women marrying other women, men marrying other men, men marrying another man, and then they lead a church and the first wife, which is now the first man, they are the leaders of the church. Now, let me say this because I love balance. God loves the Christian and he loves the sinner because don't get it. Don't get it twisted. If you are living in a habitual life of sin, you're a sinner. You, you are a sinner. That is my that is what I believe. If you are known by the sin that you live in, you're a sinner. But even sinners are able to lead the church now, lead the people of God. They are even able to, they've been given the, the privilege to teach our children their ways. I see it every day. But God says in his word that there are thousands who haven't bowed down to Satan nor kissed his feet. And to me, that is a sign, a reflection 
of hope from the things that we see on a day-to-day basis. Now, again, let me reiterate, because those who want to stay in the habitual sin that they're in, the first thing they'll say is, well, you're saying that God don't love, God don't love the ones who you're saying that he just loves the Christians, you Christians. No, you'll never hear me say God doesn't love the sinner. God loves the sinner so much that he keeps sending someone to minister to them. He keeps allowing them to meet with the same person every day in the lunchroom that just might be happened to sitting that that might be sitting there reading their Bible. That's your time of grace to get in place. God loves the sinner so much that he perfected it in his word when he said that he doesn't want any of us to perish, but he wants all of us to repent and turn totally towards him. That's not just What sense would it make for God to say, I want everybody to repent and turn to me. I don't want anybody to perish. But then he says, I'm just talking to the Christians. That doesn't even make sense. When he says everybody, he means everybody. His word says that if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. Well, it didn't say in parentheses. Well, when I say all, I don't mean the the sinners i just mean the christians that doesn't even sound right so god loves the sinners so much that he allowed his only son his only son he didn't have another son that he could go play basketball with that he could go to the movies with no he sent his only son his only son he allowed him to die for who the world the sinners, the ones who would betray him, the ones who would say God ain't real, the ones who will say after you've ministered to them, after you've so delicately given them what God has given you to give to them, the ones that are turning around and say, well, yeah, I, I hear you, but you know, I, I'm not really, I'm not really getting ready to, to, uh, make much of that, or I'm not getting ready to hang my hopes on that. He died for those. He died for those too. He died for all of us. And he does not want any of us to live in a habitual sin. But the world is, is, is just, I don't know what happened, but any and everything goes, any and everything goes. You imagine how God would respond if you ask him, if you ask God, God, do you want me to marry a man and have a child by my husband? Or God, do you want me to go out there and sleep around with a woman and I'm a woman? And then God, would you, is it, do you like it? Do, would you smile upon me and my lady friend, my special lady friend, us having a child, but we're two women. So where would we, how would we conceive a child? And then they figure out a way for one of the women to become pregnant and then they get married. God, would you, Lord, I just know you're going to smile on that. Or do you want me to go over here and do it the way that your word says and 
marry a man and then have a child with my husband? Or would you prefer me to do choice B? Be a lesbian. And I'm the man in the relationship. But then I still get pregnant and I still dress like a man and we're married with God. I just know you're going to say that's okay. Why? Because, you know, after all, you love each other. That's not God's love. Which one would God choose? Some stuff we just have to, we have to just ask a question. We're not talking about what God is going to overlook. We're not talking about, well, everybody's seeing. We're, I'm saying ask God one question. God, would you frown on this or would you smile on this? And you can answer your own question about the stuff that's happening in the world. We are so quick to say God loves everybody. God loves everybody, but he hates the sin. He hates the lifestyle. He hates it. He frowns on it. That's a mark against you. That's a mark against me. He hates all sin. And there are some sins that have taken over the world and they are dominant. They are dominant. Homosexuality is dominant. It is dominating. It's taken over. Let me rephrase it because I don't want to give the enemy any room. It wants to dominate and take over the church where we kick holiness and righteousness out of the church. That is what sin wants to do. And when sin has become fully grown, you better watch out. But you also better watch out for Jesus because there is a time and I speak this by faith. And if I have to say I speak it prophetically, I will. There is going to be a time soon that he is going to raise up his right hand and say, now, you know what? Y'all ain't going to keep on mocking me like this. Y'all are not going to keep on using my name in vain. Y'all are not going to keep on saying, well, everybody saying, can't nobody judge me. Guess what? I'm coming back to judge and you, you are going to wish that you would have listened to that little old lady that I let you run into. You're going to wish you would have listened to your aunt, your mother. You're going to wish you would have listened to that person that you met at the gas station that said, have a good day. I'm on my way to church. That was your cue. Something inside of you should have said, man, I never, I don't even know this person. I met them at the gas station, but they just told me, have a blessed day. I'm on my way to church. Be blessed. That was my cue. When I felt something that was God telling me, you need to turn away from your wicked ways. We need to move past whatever it is that is keeping us stuck. We need to move past whatever it is that is keeping us stuck. And you may say, well, it's just, you know, a little bitty something, but we don't want a little bitty something to keep us from a great God. Yes, he's full of grace. Yes, he's full of mercy. But God also chastises those that he loves. And guess who he loves? The sinner and the saint, the sinner and the Christian. 
It breaks my heart when I hear people say, oh, you Christians. And that's the reason why. Yeah, that might be right. And a lot of times now recently it's true. But why would you want that to be the reason why it separates you from God? It's so ignorantly spoken when I hear people say things like that. It's so ignorant of them to say, well, you know, you can't go to church because the people in the church doing so and so and so. Is that going to be your excuse that you give God on judgment day when he asked you, why did you not turn away from being so angry? Why did you not turn away from being so bitter? Why did you not turn away from being gluttony? Why did you not turn away from being a fornicator and an adulterer? Why? Are you and I so willing to use somebody else's sin as a reason to stay in our own? When God is going to judge each one according to their own sins. God loves us so much that he is waiting for you and I to come from a bottle, whatever it is that keeps us. From moving closer to him. We're condoning too much sin. Oh, well, you know, let them come on. Let them come on over. You know, at, you know, I know, I know they've been, you know, living together for so long and, and, but you know, let them, let them come on. And you got these matriarchs who sit up and don't say anything. Go in there and fix them a plate. Go in there and make sure, you know, they, they got clean towels. Yeah, they're going to be spending the night. Yeah, you know, well, you know, they already sleeping together. So, but that's your roof. You make the decisions. Who sleeps where under your roof? You cry loud and spare not about everything else. When is it going to become a time when we say, you know what? I used to eat three hot dogs. But I'm just going to eat one today. You may not be able to say just one, maybe two, but you got to start somewhere. Keisha, why are you talking about gluttony? Because when you overindulge in food, when I overindulge in food, it leads over, spills over into other areas of our life. And God is not pleased with that. It is called self-control. God wants us healthy and whole in every area of our lives. God wants to deal with the, 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 the big thing that you deal with, that you struggle with. And he wants to deal with that thing that's in between. Well, I'm a fornicator, but then I'm a a glutton too. But I fornicate more than I'm a glutton. So God, help me with this big thing first. Help me with both of them, but help me with the one that's really taken over my life. And I can't stop fornicating. I can't stop sleeping around. I can't stop shacking up. It just seems like when I go from one relationship to the next, I just have to go live with somebody. I have to sleep with somebody I'm not married to. So God, help me with that. And then once you conquer that, okay, God, now I'm still overeating. Help me because the more I overeat, the more I go to work and steal from my job, take things that don't belong to me. I overtake. When they say just one per person, I got to find a way to go back and get five. Whether it's extra pens, extra pencils with extra donuts. We think that these are small things, but these are things that... They help to make who we are. And that's either going to be good or bad. We 
all have something that we need to rise up above just a little bit higher. We all do, which means that we all should be ever learning. And when God allows someone to come to you in a spirit of love and peace and say, let me help you out of this. What what can I do? God loves you. So I got a right to love you. He doesn't want you to live like this. Let me help you. But you may, the other person always says, well, how can you, when you and you and you, don't you know the same way that God allows someone to come to you and help you up out of whatever mud you're stuck in? God allowed or will allow the same thing to take place in the life of the person who's helping you. God wants all of us to live healthier spiritually, mentally, socially, financially. He wants us to live healthier all across the board. But let me tell you how you can't live. You and God just gave me this revelation this morning as I was talking to my sissy do. We cannot live without the peace of God. Let me say this again. You and I cannot live without the peace of God. If we're not living in the peace of God, then we're living in confusion or torment. Living, living, which means it's a everyday, all day thing. That's how we're living either in confusion or chaos, or it's always something traumatic that's happening. You live like that when you're not living in the peace of God. And I am at a point in my life to where God doesn't have to change the situation. He doesn't have to change that person. But God, if you can just give me your peace, if you can fix what's broken inside of me, All hell can be all around me, but I'll have the peace of God and I will be okay. That's why I say we cannot live without the peace of God. We can't live without the peace of God. People who are living in a habitual sin, they are not living in the peace of God. Because if you were living in the peace of God, you would be okay. You would be all right being single and not fornicating or you if you had the peace of God and you're married you will be at peace with the wife of your youth with the husband that God blessed you with with the husband that God blessed you with because you'd have the peace of God but because you don't have the peace of God when you don't have the peace of God you're not content You're antsy. You're edgy. You think that it's something else out there for you. Well, let me go and see what her skirt tail is about. Let me go and see what he's packing, what he's working with. Death. That's what he's working with. Death. Because as long as you are married, as long as you are married to that woman or to that man, you are still married in God's eyes. You're still married in God's eyes. And we should carry ourselves in such a way that it's honorable in the eyes of God. That's the way that we should carry ourselves. I don't care if he's in Australia and you're in Pakistan. You still have to carry yourself as a married individual. And whatever you do, 
Whatever you do, make sure you do it with a right heart. Your heart is right. Your intentions are good. They, you, you're not going, you're not setting out to take somebody else's husband. You're not setting out to take somebody else's wife. And if your husband does something that you don't agree with, that you don't like, oh, he didn't take me to the movies. Oh, he didn't take the trash out. Oh, he didn't talk to me for 30 minutes like he normally does. Or he didn't answer my phone call. Well, that must mean it's meant for me to go and find me another husband. That must mean that it's meant for me to go and find somebody who can stroke my ego. It must mean that I need to, it's, it's okay for me to go and find somebody to sleep with because my husband doesn't make love to me like he used to when we first got together. So it's okay because after all, God knows I'm human. The devil, he himself is a liar. So you better make sure that if you want to be pleasing in the eyes of God, Make sure that the things that you do, the things that you say, whether you're married or unmarried, you better make sure that they are decent, that they are innocent, that it, it if you say, well, you know, I'm going back here to go talk to John on my lunch break. You better make sure that as you walk down that hallway to go eat lunch with John, or we just going to talk about some things that we need to discuss about this, this meeting that's coming up. You better make sure as you walk down that hallway to go meet John, that that's exactly what you mean, that you're not going in there so that he can look at your toes and your open toe shoes. You better make sure that you're going in there to go have lunch with him. You better make sure that that's what you're going to talk to him about. You better make sure that the foundation is innocent. You better make sure that when you go in there, that your eyes are fixed on this, on the workplace. You better make sure that there's no lustful intentions. You better make sure because the eyes of God are upon all of us, whether we're saved or unsaved. And I'm talking about living in the peace of God. When you got the peace of God, you're not going to covet somebody else's belongings. You're not going to covet what God blessed somebody else with. Why? Because God gave you your own. He allowed you to have your own. And when you have the peace of God, you're content with where you are. You're content with where you are. You're content with what God has given you when you have the peace of God. Have the peace of God today by knowing that he destines your life. He promotes you. He tells you where to go and where not to go and what to say and what not to say. Have the peace of God, knowing that this too shall pass, knowing that weeping may endure for a night, but joy, it comes in the morning. Have the peace of God. Be settled in the peace of God. Hold on to it. Whatever today is, God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you walk us through it. You guide us through it. 
You cover us from the fiery darts of the enemy that you give us a face like flint. Give us a heart of love. Give us a heart that's pliable where you can mold our hearts, shape our hearts into the into the desired place where you want it to be, where you need it to be. God, open doors today. Close doors today. Shut the mouth of every enemy, every lion, even the enemy inside of us that tries to dictate to us how to feel, how to speak. Lord, ease, settle our spirits, settle our spirits, settle our minds. Give us that peace. We need that peace, God, that surpasseth all understanding in the workplace. God, in the name of Jesus, those of us, myself and others who have to sometimes dread going to work because other people don't make the workplace easy to work in. The ones who have an over-dominating tyrant spirit. Lord, I pray that you put it to rest right now. The ones that want to be right about everything. The ones that choose not to understand the other person's viewpoint. Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus, make it right. Fix it, Jesus. Because if we go to fix it, sometimes our flesh messes everything up. Our flesh always messes it up for us. So Lord, come in with a mighty hand. Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And those of us, God, who, Lord God, you know that we've been asking you for a financial blessing. Lord God, however you decide to bless us, God, we'll receive it and we'll be so satisfied. Lord God, I pray God. Right now, God, that you cover and protect our children. Lord, protect them from homosexuality. Protect them from molestation. Protect them from being kidnapped. Protect them from that enemy that lurks in the dark places. And Lord, I pray, God, for everybody who has grandchildren, Lord God, that you would cover and protect them as well. Lord God, do it in a mighty way. Lord God, and I pray for every relationship that's going through. God, touch right now. Lord God, close some doors, close some books, open some new chapters, God. Open a brand new book, God. Dispose of old relationships, God, that have that have grown stale. Lord, that you know you're never going to breathe life into those relationships. Cut off, prune away every dead relationship, God. And then allow new things and new people to come in, God. Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, renewing us a right spirit and creating us a clean and a pure heart, God. Lord God, I need you and I lean and depend on you for this day. Lord God, that you do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything that I have asked. Everything that I have thought of what's in my heart. Do God what I've never seen before and will never see again. Lord God, it is in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for giving me your listening ear. I pray that I, it is my hope that I have said one thing that has helped you to give God glory. Pass this podcast to one to two people. 
Maybe you may know three, but one will be enough that you know that needs just a little bit of encouragement, just a little push. I know I need encouragement from my mentors all the time. So I would just ask that you would continue to pray for me, pray for this podcast. When you think of me, just say, Lord, help Keisha. Fight for Keisha because the enemy is heavy and large after me and after my family. But it is my promise to continue to pray. It is my promise to continue to seek God. And his will and his ways. And so until next time, surrender your life to Christ. And if you kind of teeter-tottered over to the wrong side, just come on back in humility over to the right side. Where the grass never withers. It never fades. But when you're on the Lord's side, you'll have everything that you need. You have his protection. You have his peace. You have his word. And that is only to be found when you're on the Lord's side. I don't care what the world is saying. You are be blessed. Know that I love you. And it is my honor and promise to pray for you, to intercede for you, and that you get to a place of complete deliverance in your life. Until next time, I love you. Bye-bye.